Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 1 through 49. Then the assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered, You say so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man. They insistent and said, Teaching throughout all Judea from Galilee, where he began even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had been wanting to see him for a long time, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priest and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him. Even Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then he put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who is perverting the people, and here I have examined him in your presence and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. Then they all shouted together, Away with this fellow! Release Barabbas for us! This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city and for murder. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict, that their demand should be granted. He released the men they asked for, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed Jesus over as they wished. As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country. And they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green... What will happen when it is dry? Two others also, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There is also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. 
One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this one nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed and the curtain temple was torn in two. Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today is a bit of an odd day for the church. And part of it is because often we get so caught up in celebrating the triumphant entry into Jerusalem that we get caught up with that and we immediately shift our attention to the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And the death of the matter gets a little lost. This Sunday starts the beginning of a three-part series that will cover Easter and the Sunday after Easter and was taken from our communion liturgy. And it explores the mystery of faith. And this first one is one of the hardest to understand. And that it is Christ has died. As I was thinking about those three words, I put myself not in the situation that we are in now, where we read this story and we read it through the lens of the resurrection and we always see it and we always know what's coming next. And I started thinking about what this meant for the disciples then and there. Even what it meant for Jesus. This was not the change anyone expected. The Messiah was not supposed to die. The Messiah was supposed to be a military leader and he would march into Jerusalem and he would begin to overthrow things and he would rule it and he would get rid of the people who were overseeing them and there'd be no foreigners with control and he would become the new king and he would instill God's kingdom right there in Israel. That's what the disciples thought. I can only imagine they saw it all coming true. The king riding in, humble, on a donkey. Cloaks and palm branches laid out before him. He enters as the Messiah is supposed to enter. And they go and they find the money changers. And Jesus begins to make more changes. And he throws the tables over and says, your unjust actions are over. 
The next step would have been to do the same thing to Rome and drive Rome out of the city. To them, the next step was not death. Because to them, that would have been failure. But that is what happened. It was not the change that they were expecting. It was not the change that they wanted. And I can safely say that it wasn't really the change that any of them wanted, Jesus included. But sometimes the difficult changes are the ones we need, not the ones we want. And sometimes when things happen, we think they're the end when they're not. But it doesn't make it any less sad. It doesn't make us grieve any less. Because difficult, painful things are difficult and painful things. We know Jesus didn't really want this. His own prayers tell us that. That before his capture, he prays, if this can be taken away from me, take it away. But if it can't, I'll do it. It's not that Jesus wouldn't die for us, it's that none of us wants to go through something unpleasant if we can avoid it. Christ included. And it raises one of the great mysteries of our faith. We know Christ has died, but sometimes that question of why never really gets a good answer. I could come up with a thousand different theological reasons and try to explain all of the symbolic meaning, but the problem is is that it's all symbolic. And in the end, it's hard to say that he had to die. Because the other part of me can come up with a thousand ways that maybe God could have pulled all this off without all of the suffering, shame, and death. And then I remember that I'm not God. So I don't really know. It's a mystery. I can't fully understand why it had to happen. But over the years, the one that makes the most sense to my little human mind is that this is the way it was going to be if it was going to matter. The thing is that we see changes all the time. Life is constantly a series of changes that we have to adapt to. Sometimes we like them and sometimes we don't. The one change that we can't adapt to is death. Because death is final. Death is not something that we really have control over. Death is the way that we put a final period on the sentence and say, done. It makes the impact of the story that much greater. Because it's something we all understand. It's something we all share. As we come to the end of Lent, 
we fully understand our mortal life is limited. Sometimes much, much more than we would want. The other mystery of Christ's death is why he would die for me. I can think of lots of things that are worth dying for, and I rarely ever will put myself on that list, no matter how much I want to be on there. But yet somehow, somehow, we're all on that list. Christ was willing to sacrifice his mortal life to suffer, to be beaten, to be humiliated on our behalf. To take a shame that should have been ours and bear it himself. To take a death that should have been ours and suffer it himself. And as I was thinking about those early disciples standing off at a distance, watching all of this happen. Can you imagine trying to walk up to one of them and go, it's okay, he'll be back in a few days. Just have hope and wait. Peter probably would have punched me in the face if I had walked up to him and said that to him right then and there. Because to them it was over. To them, the pain was all too real. And I started to realize that that pain is part of how we understand Christ. Because it helps us to understand life. Painful things happen. Sometimes painful, dreadfully bad changes happen. Changes that nobody wanted. Changes that nobody saw coming. I couldn't walk up to the disciples and say, well, everything happens for a reason because they would probably chase me off again. Because I know something that they didn't. And it reminds me that in the midst of grief, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of pain, sometimes even that reminder that things will get better is too much to bear when we are simply trying to handle the change. The mix of grief and joy on this day is a great metaphor for life itself. That we are a people constantly in flux between joy and sorrow. Because even in our joys, we can find sorrows. And even in our sorrows, we can find joys. The cross reminds us that bad things happen. And that we don't have to like them. We don't have to want them. But there's the reminder that behind all of it is hope. Hope that in the midst of suffering, Christ forgives those who are causing him to suffer. 
hope that someone who recognizes that they were up there and deserved to be up there could find salvation. Hope that if this wasn't the end of his story, that death isn't the end of our story. And that if pain and suffering could happen and be overcome, pain and suffering will happen in our lives, but it can be overcome. It may not make the pain easier. It may not make the sorrow less. The grief won't go away. Because even standing here now, all these years later, it pains my heart to think about somebody going and dying, being beaten, flogged, and nailed to a cross for me. That hurts. Because no matter how thankful I am, it meant somebody suffered on my behalf. Somebody gave up their very life that I could have life. And it's a debt I can never repay. And at the same time, I'm filled with joy that somebody would love me that much. It is a mystery, but we know that Christ has died. His disciples will take him, lay him in a tomb, and mourn that things are over. What they didn't know is that one ending is simply another's new beginning. That chapter had come to a close, but the next chapter was just about to open. And that's true in all of our lives. One chapter may close with the most painful, painful way possible. But there will be a next chapter. Christ's death is a reminder that life is that mix of joy and sorrow. Pain and pleasure, comfort and distress. As we prepare ourselves to celebrate the resurrection, let us remember the sorrow and the sadness at the depths of the crucifixion. And may we keep in our hearts that mystery of our faith, that Christ has died for you and for me. Amen.